Are you ready, Christine? I'm ready. Are you ready, Ma? As ready as I'm gonna be. Let's go. Let's go to the middle of the Atlantic, part two of our retelling of Titanic. That's right. This is part two of our two-part series on the fil- 1997 film written, directed, produced by James Cameron, starring Leonardo DiCaprio, Kate Winslet. The previous week is part one. We are jumping right back into it, part two. Because we listened to our listeners who said, you know what, that Gone with the Wind podcast was way too long. Should have broken it up. We're breaking it up. There we go. So we are to part two, and we are picking up with our positive reheatables. Titanic, 1997. I'm just going to go into the White Star. Okay. Mm. Okay. Because White Star, so I was, uh, okay, I saw something on Facebook, and this always speaks to me, where a survivor of, I believe it was Auschwitz, saw an army jeep pulling up and with the white star on the hood and they were there to liberate one of the concentration camps so the white star meant to her americans mean liberation also white star is the line of ocean liners there were three of them built sister ships the titanic the Dutta, and the huda and the Olympic and the other one. There you go. <laughs> and they and all the rest. They all think though. Well, it, this is a hot time in the history. I mean, this is the Titanic saying pre-World War One. We're about to get into some wars where ships don't fare very well. Yeah. And so then I'm going to go to White Star as far as, okay. Um, listeners, all 13 of you know how I do enjoy my champagne, but I am a little elitist with my champagne, a little first class Snobbish. with my champagne. And there used to be a Moet Chandant White Star, mm. which was so good. It was like a Dom Perignon, only like a third of the price. Yeah, they stopped making it because people were buying that instead of Dom. And Mm. so my white star memories are all positive. The the U.S. Army coming and liberating concentration camps and, of course, me drinking white star champagne. So that is a positive for me. Mm. We have the Olympic and the Britannic. The Britannic. Okay. Those are the sister ships. Remember um, Olympic for later. Okay. Uh, my positives were I liked Rose and Nana's house. Rose's Rose was Nana. I liked her house in the beginning where she was. Oh painting. yes, mm-hmm. it was a California house, Southern mm-hmm. California. However, her daughter could have done a lot with that money. They weren't living, uh, you know. Right. They, they were, were living nicely. They were, they were living okay. Yeah. I mean, she was at 100 throwing a pot. Yeah. So. Yeah. Leo, of course. Young oh, Leo. Yeah. I think I have young Leo on here. 
and then the people saving each other's lives. Yes. Uh, the, uh, the, the podcast I was listening to um, last night on the Titanic, they were talking about that Mr. Rogers quote or his, or that Mr. Rogers story where his mom's telling him whenever there's a disaster, find the helpers. Like there's always, you know, look for the people helping people. Um, and I think he told that after nine 11 or something. Probably. Yeah. Um, but it always gets told after any sort of natural disaster yeah. shooting. Yeah. Right. Those are my positives. Oh man. All right. We'll settle in everyone. <laughs> Coming right off the top rope with a hot take. Don't know how you two are going to feel about this, but okay. So Ruth is Rose's mother. I have a hot take that she's not a villain. Like, here's my thing. If you're looking at things through Ruth's point of view, okay. Yeah, she doesn't come off well in the film at all, but let's look at things from her point of view. She doesn't want to work. Same. And she mentions the thing about how, like, do you want to see me working as a seamstress? As a seamstress. Which I thought was interesting because that comment made me wonder. I don't think she came from upper class. You know? Uh-huh. It made me think that she was probably poor of the poorer persuasion and she was probably very good looking attractive which we see i mean you're she's now still a fox so you know like 20 years previously she was doing pretty damn all right for herself which well, that makes sense of why she would have wanted that why she cared so much about rose marrying exactly Cal. exactly exactly i don't want to go back to that like she, however, it was she landed um, a husband, and she she had she landed the come up. She didn't. She knew what it was to live like that. She didn't want her daughter to live like that, and she might not have even loved her husband because remember he left them in disarray when he died. Yeah. So he died with a lot of debt. Yeah. So. It wasn't ever said like, oh, I love your father so much. It seemed like she married him of like because she was yeah. looking out for herself. She was elevating her position. Exactly. So then at the end, when she's basically asking for Rose to marry this guy, Cal, she, to her point of view, she's just asking her daughter to make the same sort of sacrifice that she herself made exactly. to give her daughter the education to, you know, because her daughter, because Rose was very smart. She was going around counting the lifeboat. She knew, like, you know, all of these things. And she was probably too educated for her own good because she looked around at all of the vapidness of the rich and she wanted more from life. Mm-hmm. But she was only placed in that position because her mother made this sacrifice. And then her mom is like, wanting her daughter to make the sacrifice. The fault, though, of Ruth is that you can make that sacrifice, but that's your sacrifice. It stops there with you. That doesn't guarantee that it's going to continue. It doesn't pass on to, like, your daughter being like, look, I did this, now you have to do that. Like, that's not... That's a bad retirement plan, Ruth. There's a fault there in your thinking, but... So, that was my good reheatable it's just an interesting 
it's it's very it's very easy to demonize Ruth, but when you look at it from her point of view, that's true. Well, I have more. Oh, go ahead. Oh, the costumes. Oh yes. Oh yeah. my God, the dresses, the hats, the shoes. The set design, it was all eye candy. It was just, oh, you you wanted to look at every corner of everything because it was so pretty. I feel like the, that shot where it's iconic now. It's just iconic in all of film history. That shot where Rose gets out of the car and you mm-hmm. first just see her gloved hand mm-hmm. and it's flipped part mm-hmm. of it's flipped over with the purple and then she gets out and just the way that the, the crane comes over and then it's just her hat and then you lift up and then that's the first time we see her and it's just i mean that reminded me of the old fashioned filmmaking like gone with the wind came mm-hmm. to mind but i'm like mm-hmm. no it's this because now we don't have the stupid baggage of the gone with the wind right you right. know like this is what yeah. this is beautiful like old-fashioned epic filmmaking magnitude. Look at that shot. The magnitude. yeah just the epicness <clears throat> and the research details they went yeah. to the olympic and the britannia to see what the wood paneling would have looked like, what the dishes wow. were. They were so detail-driven to get everything just right. And then I thought of it in the beginning and in the middle, but by the end, I'm going, Kate Winslet's lips. Oh, my God, those are some lips. Oh. Yeah. For someone who doesn't have lips, it is lip envy. <laughs> And then at the end where the uh, the guys in steerage are going, follow the rats. You know, the yeah. rats know how to escape. Yeah. Follow the rats. And it, when at first I was like, wait, this is a new ship. How did the rats get on board? And then instantly in my mind, I just saw a rat scurrying on, you know, the ropes and the chains when it was docked. And I'm like, of course, rats good a rat. You rats know, gonna rat. They're gonna get on there. It's gonna be good. They're gonna make a beautiful ratatouille. Ratatouille. <laughs> Are those all of our positive readables? I got a couple more. I read. At some point, somebody made a, a derogatory statement about an indoor girl. <laughs> So I just made me laugh. I forget who it was like, oh, I figured you as more of an indoor girl. And it, I was like, you know what? Oh, I that sounds like Jack said that to Rose. To Rose, yeah. Like, you're not you, you're not going out in the bush, you know, hiking yeah. around. Yeah. And I'm like, you know what? I'm an indoor girl. As am <laughs> I. Air conditioning is my best friend. I'm a, I could have been an outdoor girl from birth to maybe about eight years old and then after that i think i'm just i I, the more i learn about the outdoors i'm an indoor girl you are your mother's daughter you you had to get me when i was ignorant of all the things that could kill me and then once a certain phobia set in it it that's true that's it i'm out that's true um uh, well this isn't a this isn't a good reheatable in the the way that it's it's good. It's a good reheatable in that it's so bad. 
Ooh. that it's good that Rose, I feel like Rose calculated this and, and realized this. It's when she's confronting Cal and he gets very angry at her and he pauses and then he hits her. So he gets so wrapped up in the emotion that he just doesn't, ah, slaps her, which is horrible and a red flag there. But it's even worse that he gets so wrapped up, stops, looks at her. So he has time to think about what he's about to do and smacks her. Mm-hmm. Ooh, she you- was good at hitting him where it hurts. Like mm-hmm. the, the drawing, she left that in there on purpose. Mm-hmm. But then I think just think that moment where he he thought because because you know she was waiting to be slapped and he didn't slap her right away just looked at her and then slapped her I think that was that was it because one he, of course he put his hands on her and two the fact that he could he could have stopped himself in he that he had moment. a moment yeah and then it was like no nah, man yeah. um how good Jack was at physics. Of just knowing, like, know. we got to run up, and now it's getting to the time. Now let's get on the outside. Who would know that other than the rats? Yeah. Um, if it, if I hadn't have caught the sentence where it mentioned that Rose was from Philadelphia. Remember, we alluded to this in, in uh-huh. the first episode. Because at the end, I'm thinking, because remember how it's like, oh, we don't have a Rose, whatever her name is. She died on the Titanic. So then at the end, I'm like, wait, is this the story of an American refugee? Or is this... Because I thought, like, oh, she was coming from... Kate Winslet, she's British. She's coming from wherever. So you could... I kind of was like, why did she have to be from Philadelphia? If Kate Winslet's British, why wouldn't she just have been from... Yeah, yeah. And she's marrying Cal, because then it becomes an interesting thing of like, is this the story of of a an uh, American refugee? Because I don't know what the status like. Were were people granted asylum if they survived the Titanic? Because otherwise, if not, this was Rose was an illegal immigrant making good. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, was, I was like, oh man. I kind of wish that she had been British because then we could have had, you know, a whole other interesting onion to peel back with that. Was she, were the immigrants just automatically granted asylum? Or That would have been another 30 minutes of the film. But then also there's the thing where she takes on the Dawson name. So she basically cuts ties with her family. Yeah. If she cuts ties with her family, she doesn't have any paperwork. She's back in America. Is Rose an illegal, legal oh, immigrant? Hmm. Okay. We are two quotables. Oh, wait. boy. Oh. There, wait, do you have more uh, yes, positive? Sorry, I do. Oh. That Jack... Okay, I remember giving this movie a whole bunch of shit. Because there's always the joke about, like, Rose didn't let Jack on. She just let him die. But then when rewatching it, Jack does try to get on right. it. And it's going to sink with both it, of he them. He could have gone the other way. He could have gone, no, he could have gone the other side. They just didn't try hard enough. Okay. More okay. on that later. Okay. And then I have, like, in 
reaching with that, there's a 2012 Entertainment Weekly article by Owen Gleiberman where he makes the point that this movie gave rise to uh, hater culture because that was totally a part of it. Like, remember, like when this movie came out, it, it had had all this bad publicity about how it was the most expensive film that was ever made, all these production snafus with it, and then it comes out and everybody... Like, pretty, everybody went to go see it. And then, and, you know, guys enjoyed it, too. You know, my dad it's and my an brother. It's an action movie. Exactly. Even Poppy went to see it. Exactly. But then when the teenage girls started, like, going Beatles mania on it, then that whole love story kind of became overblown and conflated and associated with the movie. So then it became this whole hater culture because all of these little teeny girls love it. So then guys were like, oh, no, I don't. I, I can't I mean, like it. It's not yeah, manly so, And it was the very beginning of the internet. And so it does make the, the argument that this is the yeah, beginning of true. the hater culture. Ah. Uh... Oh, Which it is because taken. that was a, a reason why I didn't revisit it. I mean, other be, than the fact that I just cried and bawled my eyes out when I first saw it, but then it be it took on this whole kind of like teeny beautiful, like not our teeny, but like you know teenage well, girls. Oh, actually, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Teeny oh, was like, in that teeny. Yeah, just little little just little girls just going crazy and crying over Leo and it just got out of control. And then the song, I mean, it was a great song, but then it became ubiquitous. It was just everywhere. The song is so overdone. The, it is, it's a great song. It's oh. a great song. She sings it well, but when she hits her chest, she's so over the top. But she's also over the top in a great way. All right, my final good reheatable. I don't know, did anybody catch this? So, here you go, Teeny. Was Rose Dawson a horse diver? Yeah, oh. I did see that. I saw because her riding it, horses at Coney Island. Yeah, remember? At the, yes. at the end of her yes. life, she shows, and she's on... She, totally she, see her being a horse diver. With the roller coaster an behind her. Yes, and then she's on a horse <laughs> behind her. I'm like, oh my yep. gosh. So, those are my positive reheatable. That's hilarious. You have to... You have to be a, a listener of Gone with the Bushes to understand that. Well, go and uh, listen to our Wild Hearts Can't Be Broken episode. Wild Hearts Can't Be Broken. We are to quotables. There were so many that I had to stop. I only yeah. wrote down two. Okay, go. All right. So the first one was that Brody guy when he was like, oh, like that Russian babe anesthesia. I know. I wrote that down because, you know, me and Anastasia. Yeah. Uh -huh. And then he butchered her name and called her Anastasia. I thought was also pretty funny. I did too. And then this one, it made me just laugh. At it. This movie, when it came out, was derided by for the dialogue. But then when I rewatched it, I'm like, no, what are you like the dialogue was fine. It was, it was, you know, again, the hater culture. But this one line did kind of it made me lol a woman's heart is an ocean of secrets <laughs> <laughs> oh look at our three oceans of secrets <laughs> <laughs> oh wow that didn't make my cut 
Christine. Um, <laughs> I wrote when Tigger at dinner and Molly goes to Cal. Cal's like do, doing the most with Rose, and Molly just goes, "You gonna cut her meat there too, Cal?" Yes. And yes. I just love yes. that because my mom would always be like, "I hated cutting my meat," and she would always be like, "Oh." you're never you're never gonna find get married if you can't cut your own meat and adam still cuts my meat for me at night does he really he cuts your meat for you yeah i love wow. that yeah, sometimes don't Aww, tell him i taught him right he's eyeing the pieces that he's gonna eat <laughs> yeah well he knows i'll complain if it has fat on it or gristle in it so it's so like, more of a she'll eat yeah. that much, and this is a great piece that I will save for me. Yeah. Um, there was a quote that I wanted to write down about when Rose was talking about no one noticing, like the oblivity of everyone in first class, and mm -hmm. it was when she was looking at the little girl. But I didn't write it down, so I guess I won't say it. Um. <laughs> She's when she told Jack, "Don't presume to tell me what I will and will not do. You don't know me." Exactly. Mm -hmm. Oh, you don't. Um, I don't know who said this. Maybe it was her mom. Said to Rose, "I know you've been melancholy. I don't pretend to know why." <laughs> no, that was. Oh, that was cow. cow. Yes. Ask. Cow. He was such a good asshole. Mm -hmm. Yes, he was. Um, I liked when they were at dinner and Jack said, no caviar for me, please. Never did like it much. <laughs> yeah. Um, life's, uh, life's a gill. Hmm. Life's a, oh, life's a gift and I don't intend on wasting it. You never know what hand you'll get dealt or what comes next that was probably jack at yeah, that, at jack, that yeah. big dinner oh yeah party. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That's true. um when they went down to the party and rose said what you think a first class girl can't drink oh yeah she was gulping, <laughs> she was gulping that beer it was root beer oh oh because yeah. i in, thought in real life or like just for the production for the production. Well, she wasn't real. No, for the production. Because I would be like, could you imagine like those guys in steers giving no. root beer? Because I thought I wouldn't be able to gulp beer like that, but I could, I guess, oh, Coke? But, and then I read root beer and I went, okay, got it. I could do that. I don't, I don't, I, this is, I would not be a party to your slandering your drinking skills. You could do it. Not beer. Not me. If you wanted to impress my dad, I, I feel like you could. Impress your dad? Your dad had to impress me. Mm. Okay, if that's how we want to do things. <laughs> what? I, uh, I, I mean, there's mutual impressioning going on. So, like, yeah, he's going to, but you're going to, like, I'm, but beer wouldn't I'm be the way to impress your beer would be, yeah, She would put Jen in a cup and do it. Exactly. Beer is not going to impress yeah. your copy because he didn't care about beer either. Um, yeah, I, but it, I was giving you a compliment of how you can do things that you don't think you can do. Okay, I'll take it. Unbelievable. 
Um, probably my favorite quote now, it's been having a resurgence lately in mm. pop culture. For God's sakes, man, there's women and children down here. That was Tommy said that. <laughs> it was. I know. Oh. Uh, and, uh, yeah. And then, oh, when the one guy, I don't know if he was a captain or what. Well, wait a when... second, though. Hold up. With the Tommy quote of there's women and children here. And then, you know, they lift up the bench and they break down the gates. Did you notice who the first people out of the gates were, though? It was men. all men. It was all men. <laughs> They're like, Let's open the gates. There's women and children down I here. I mean, and everybody had to save themselves at that point. Oh men. They had to clear the way the for women the women couldn't get out. They didn't get out. That's right. I, I know. They had all those petticoats and shit to deal with. Um, And then uh, the one... I, Maybe I don't know. Maybe it was Cal bribing one of the guys that handed and he handed the guy money in order to get on the lifeboat. Yes. And then he threw the guy threw the money back and he was like, "Your money can't save you any more than it could save me." Exactly. And then lastly, I like that they said "blimey." Blimey. They also said "boyo." Tommy oh. would say Tommy would call Jack "boyo," and I don't oh. know "boyo" because of last summer. Uh, the Perry Mason, he would always call him boyo, and I was like, mm. boyo, and uh, boyo is an Irish term, like, huh. pal, guy, chap. I didn't hear boyo when I was in Dublin. Oh, well, maybe it's when Jack and Fabrizio are are playing poker, and Jack goes, "When you got nothing, you got nothing to lose." Yeah. yeah. That can be good and that can be bad. <laughs> I don't know who said this. What are you, an artist or something? I think didn't Rose, Rose said that to Jack. Which also, have you guys seen? There's like a, it's become a meme that scene. It's like uh, when she, when Jack shows Rose like her, his drawings and his book. The one-legged prostitute? Yeah, that. But it's become a meme now. And, oh, I just took a picture of it. Where it's a screenshot of that. Oh, my God. What did I do? Oh, here it is. All sex to you guys right now. It's just Rose and Jack sitting there. And then underneath it is what you would see in the drawing. It's Rose saying, oh, these are rather good. <laughs> but then it'll be like terrible drawings. Exactly. Yeah. Like they could actually <laughs> rinse off that drawing and have it be pristine like it was. Yeah. Okay. <clears throat> <laughs> yeah. Okay, let me see. <laughs> Oh, oh wow. Okay. Another one was, um, but the purpose of university is to find a suitable husband. Oh. <clears throat> that was Rose's mother. That was my mother. And she was like, well, just, just walk slowly past. The, no, the not walk bit. slowly. Fall off your oh, bike yeah, in, front of, <laughs> yes. in front of you, Penn. 
Medical Center. No, never did that, did you? No, because I was like, oh, so I can work my ass off for him to become a great surgeon and then leave me for a younger woman? I gave my best years to him. Again, Rose's mother saying, on the lifeboats, will we be seated according to class? Mm. I mean, yeah, that... And then who was... Who was the dude at the end who wouldn't get on the lifeboats, but he says, but we would like a brandy. <laughs> We're not getting on the lifeboats, but well, I we forget would who like that was. It was yeah. A, was it Guggenheim? Yeah. Yes, that was because Guggenheim. He would, yeah, he wouldn't put on the life vest because he was in his uh, tuxedo tails and stuff. And then he was just like, but I would like a brandy. And I was like, ah, you know what? Me too, but not a brandy. Give me a gin. Oh, yeah, I can't do brandy. You know, I'll even take Seagram's at this point. You know what, though? At that point, I probably would have done a brandy. (laughs) You know, everything's out. You would have been like, give me a rum. I don't don't care. I'll take it. Okay, yeah. We're sinking. Although I did promise God, and I'm about to meet him. So Yeah, so it's all, like, it's a wash now. Okay, LVPs. I had a couple options for LVP. My, and I didn't rank them. So I'll just give you my three. There we go. Oh, I like that. Cal, because he's a dick. Yes, Uh, he is a dick. dick. Old Lady Rose for throwing the heart of the ocean and the- Yes. and, And James Cameron for not letting anyone know that he was just doing a remake of a movie. Well done. I tell you what, you guys got to go watch that other movie. It's literally. I'm going to. I'm going to do it this evening. Aaron, LVP. Oh, I have honorable mention Cal, but I feel bad because Billy Zane is so good. No, but he, Billy Zane is amazing in the role, but the role is a dick role. Yeah, he's such a dick. There we go. Um, so then my MVP is man's hubris, the AKA, you can't tell me nothing. Yeah. Yeah. Because, you know, math says that we need X amount of lifeboats, but we can't have that because it doesn't look good. The crew tries to tell people they're in the lifeboats and they're like, no, we'd rather stay inside. (laughs) Cold outside. Um, The alcohol is inside. Yeah, they're like, oh, put your life vest on. And they're like, well, we don't want to put our life vest on. No, we don't want to wear a mask. It, it, doesn't, it doesn't look good on me. So uh-huh. it's, it's just that whole thing. of, And then the, the good of, oh, they're playing the music to keep everybody calm and not panic. But then, you know, maybe that let people feel a little more, uh, less urgency than they should have you know because oh well it's just music's playing it can't be that bad it's the ship's unsinkable oh it's okay so and then the the whole thing about like oh let's go fast and oh it's unsinkable and you know it's that whole thing of the best laid plans of mice and men that that whole thing like like what is it you make plans and God laughs. That whole thing. <laughs> like, oh, we got it. And it's like, oh, man, we don't. I mean, we can try, but we don't got it. 
My LVP is the length. It was a oh, long... I didn't bother. It didn't bother me. That didn't bother I... me. I It kept me from the minute it started to the minute it ended. I know. So I usually watch these movies on Friday night, usually start around 7. And a lot of times with the Walter movies and stuff, I, I'll just like, I'll just fall asleep because it's the end of my work week. I've had a long week, you know, have a cocktail while I'm watching and I just doze off. I thought for sure, I had already told you, Ma, I was like, oh, I'm going to watch some of it. And then I know I'm going to fall asleep and finish the rest. I watched the whole thing in one sitting. It just, I, my, I, it was a rapt attention. Well done. I do believe there were a few corners that could have been cut. <clears throat> All right, well, so more on that later. Now we are to MVP, most valuable part. Well, this might be, well, obviously Leo. Yeah. I agree. I mean, he's so dreamy. And Jack, I mean, okay, so Leo himself, but then Jack as someone who, as a 10-year-old, you want to fall as a good oh, person yeah. to have 10-year-olds fall in love with. Yeah. He was Agreed. a good guy. Agree. He liked gambling, but I like gambling, too. Mm -hmm. He liked mm -hmm. drinking, and so do I. And he, you know, wasn't too stuffy. Like, he, it's not like you're having them fall in love with the rich guy or, he, you know, he wasn't a doctor or anything. He respected Rose's agency. He liked the fire and the spirit yeah. that Rose had in her mind. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But then, my other MVP, that I guess you guys will not agree with, is the song. My heart will go on. No. It's I, so good. And then they tease is. you the entire movie. You keep thinking you're going to get the song. Yeah. And that's it's right. Not until that's the credits right. that you finally get to hear it. Yeah, that's true, and that was brilliant. I think brilliant. Mm -hmm. Yeah. No, I. It was just that the song was everywhere, so yeah. I understood how people got tired of it. But me personally, I'm just like, that's a that's a banger. Like, and last night, being able to hear it in its entirety without having heard it in a long time. Oh my uh, god. Mm -hmm. Ah, oh, outstanding. That, that, that song was such a huge hit. It would be played on the radio just back to oh, back yeah. to back. Yeah. That's probably... You got a little tired of it just because how overplayed it was, but the, the, the use of it in the movie was perfection. Yeah. I have my honorable mention. Now, this isn't a comment on him as a person or anything like that, but just of the love and the care and the detail that went into it. Honorable mention, it has to be James Cameron. True. Even yeah, though it's, it is a remake of it, but he did put <laughs> in... I mean, remember when we went to see it at the Skyline Mall and the guy came up and this, he did like a whole, I didn't know at the time because I hadn't been to an arc like theater, rest in peace arc like, but he, the usher came up and was like, this is like an old timey Hollywood film where the money that they spent on this is the money that you see. Like mm -hmm. what they spent on it is what you see. This isn't, they spent it all on all this like actor salaries and stuff. Like they put time 
And you could just tell that he put a lot of time and thoughtfulness into it. So hats off for that accomplishment. I read a thing, like you were talking about what kind of a director he was. And I read something that said he um, (coughs) was so thorough that he was even giving backstories to the extras. And he went to an old lady and was like, you're not just running. You need to go down to the sea deck because your daughter told you she forgot something. You gave her five minutes and she's taken 10 and you regret, you regret making that choice. So he was like, even telling the extras like, right. You know, which could be, you know, it it cuts both ways. It could have like the guy just yelling at you. This is what you're doing. You know, it's that thing. Um, but my real MVPs are Kate and Leo because the careers that they've had, you see it in this movie. They're really good. I mean, Rose's character is so hard because she is rich and it's, how do you not make her be spoiled? And how do you, you know, Kate Winslet has to do this, this, she's walking this tightrope. And also, she's holding her own against Leonardo DiCaprio, which, yeah, he's a dreamboat. So automatically, there's going to be these girls who are just like, oh, I don't, uh, this, he lo- loves her, you know? Like, uh. yeah. And she just, they just both just walk the line so perfectly, you know? You want to, you want to, especially at, after she makes the slave ship comment, I'm just like, this bitch. And you know what? Kate Winslet's just like, I know that's a problematic line. Just stay with me. I'm going to show you my humanity as a character because I'm a fantastic actress. So now we're to recasting. This was a really difficult thing for me because I was looking up at the time, Rose should have been about 17. And I'm assuming that Jack was 17 to 20 at this point. Mm-hmm. So when I go in Google and I put up 17 to 20-year-old actors and actresses, I don't know any of them. Yeah, you would probably have to... Well, because everybody plays younger, so you would probably go from <clears throat> 20 to 23. The only one I was able to do was Rose. I recast Rose as Elle Fanning because she is my go-to young female actress. Okay, I wasn't going to do a um, uh, <clears throat> a gender twist or a cast twist because if you were a different cast, you weren't going to be in first class, so that wasn't going to happen. And can you even do a gender switch? No. Because can because... you have it be a poor woman and then <clears throat> Jack is a rich a bachelor who's engaged to a woman who's who's he the woman is rich and he's down on his he's comes from a rich family and the family has he has to therefore like can that even exactly I think it falls apart. Like exactly. just the societal exactly. caste norms like impede that yeah. from happening. And you couldn't have people of color being in there at all because that wasn't going to happen. So, <clears throat> Aaron, you said you did do a recasting, though. I did recasting, but I did it more of the people who were up for the part. 
So like the movie that of like what we could have had. So oh, okay. We have for Jack Matthew McConaughey, Chris O'Donnell, Billy Crudup, and Stephen Dorff. They were all considered for the role, but thought to be too old. Yeah. And then we had Teeny. Could you imagine this? <laughs> Tom Cruise was interested. Oh, but- God. Yes. Get the fuck uh, out of here. I would have never yes. seen that. I would have been ha- so happy when he died. Exactly. But he was too expensive. He was interested in it, the role, but his paycheck was too much. Hmm. Wow. Um, Jared Leto was, they wanted him, but he refused to audition for the role. And this is before I even knew of Jared Leto. I think around this time though, he was in my so-called life. I may be off, but I feel like. I didn't know him until Dallas Buyers Club. Yeah, no, I knew about him because everybody in high school was like, oh, my so-called life, my so-called life. And I was like, that's not my life. Wait, that was um, Claire Danes, right? Yeah. Jeremy Sisto, he did a whole bunch of, he did screen tests. So he came really close to being in it. And he was in Clueless. He was also later in the original Law and Order, uh, Six Feet Under. I, oh. You've seen him. Okay. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> so th- they were all considered. So then for Rose, they wanted Glennett. Gwyneth Paltrow, Winona Ryder, Claire Danes, Gabrielle Anwar, and Reese Witherspoon. And they all turned it down. I also heard Jennifer Aniston. And, you know, anything she's in just kind of goes to a B-movie status. But I'm sorry, Jennifer, but it just happens. With all of those actresses, I mean, like Claire Danes and Jared Leto wouldn't... But even if you put them in it, I just don't feel like it ages as well, mm-hmm. you know? Agree. Well, it all had to do with the chemistry between mm-hmm. Jack and Rose. So then for Cal, Matthew McConaughey was offered the role as Cal. Wow. That's one of those great... I can see that. I can too. But I would have been devastated because I, I loved Matthew McConaughey. Oh, yeah, she did. You would have been such a dick. Him slapping the female. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Agree. And then Rob Lowe was also very much interested in it. And so going back to um, with Rose, Kate Winslet was very tenacious about going mm-hmm. for the part. She would write James Cameron letters every week. She would send him a single rose because she's like, I am wow. your rose. <laughs> and it was that same um, that same casting coordinator who found Leo. They also found Kate Winslet. And, and you know, they had the screen test, and James Cameron is just like, yeah, but... You know, he saw it, but of course, you know, she's up against, they wanted Gwyneth Paltrow, you know, just these, these different, they were, you know, he was looking at the, for, I guess, really the eye candy, not to say that those ladies aren't uh, awesomely talented actresses and stuff. And Rose was just had that fight and then it, she just basically wore him down. And so then when they did the screen test and it was Leo and Kate that, uh, Kate Winslet went over to James Cameron and said, look, 
you don't have to hire me, but whatever you do, keep him because he's fantastic. So, so that's what I did for recasting because it's just hard to. It was. Like, they just got lightning in a bottle. It's just like if you any of the names that I pick, put them in and just see like you're just like ah, I don't, mm, I don't know. When is Paltrow and Tom Cruise is not gonna work? Man, no. <clears throat> Okay, well, tasty nuggets. All right. And I just, I had to get to the point where I just had to shut off the computer. Yeah. There were so many, there was so much trivia about this movie that I couldn't go through it all. So Mm -hmm. I wrote down several, but I, I, I just had to shut off the computer. So. Okay, I'm going to start with Christine because it's her favorite movie. What are your tasty nuggets? Well, oh boy. My favorite tasty nuggets. Um, There are 12 dogs on the Titanic. Yes. Oh. Yes. Remember the Afghans? Yeah, I think those were the um, Asters. The Asters had no, they had, oh, they had yeah. an Iredale. No, they had yeah. an Iredale Terrier. Um, so there were at least twelve dogs on there. Mm-hmm. Uh, there, but there might have been more. There, the Titanic was equipped with a first-rate kennel, and the dogs were all well cared for, including daily exercise on the deck. There was even an informal dog show scheduled for April 15th, which sadly never took place. Um, Most of the dogs were, they were supposed to be kenneled, but some of the first class passengers kept them in their staterooms. And so some of them survived. You can't get away with anything, but those are the ones that survived. So Mm -hmm. the three dogs that survived, they were all being kept in staterooms and they were all tiny. So they were taken into lifeboats and wrapped in blankets so there was one, a Pomeranian named Lady, uh, purchased by Margaret Hayes in Paris. Her owner took Lady, wrapped her in a blanket, and took her on lifeboat seven. There was a dog named Sun Yat Sin, a Pekingese that belonged to Myra Harper. Um, oh, Myra and Henry S. Harper, publishing magnate. Hmm. Oh, Harper's Bazaar. Yeah. Harper's Bazaar. The couple and their dog were on lifeboat three. Uh, according to a historian, the, uh, Mr. Harper said there seems to be a lot of room and nobody made any objection. And mm. then, of course, another they were all Pomeranian. The yeah, well, and they're little Pomeranians, two Pomeranians and a Pekingese. So the Pomeranian, um, Martin and Elizabeth Rothschild, Mrs. Rothschild hid the dog until the following morning when those on Lifeboat Six were rescued by the Carpathia. The crew initially refused to take the dog on board, mm-hmm. but she insisted, and her husband didn't survive the shipwreck. Like, if you got her all the way, you got the dog all the way there. And she's like, excuse me, I'm a Rothschild? Yeah. I have to tell you, when we were first in Germany, <clears throat> my, uh, my, but we had to have a go back. Like, we had to be ready to pick up and go at any moment if something popped up. So... Um, you know, like we had water filtration tablets that could take care of contaminated water. And so Aaron was an infant 
we had friends who had a collie. And I'm going, you know, my daughter's getting on that plane before your fucking collie's getting on that plane. <laughs> so, so there is that mindset of, let me get my infant on here before you get your dog on here. Yeah, but they're little Pomeranians. They're carrying them. Got it. Got it. That's doable. They were a- putting, because then we'll get to, okay, we'll get to what would have been my story in a minute. Um, so all the other dogs were in the kennel. So somebody, we don't know who, freed all the dogs from the kennels while the ship oh, was going down. Wow. But it was said that the agitated, then the dogs, I mean, they're freaking out. They don't know what's going on. Right. So they're running up and down the deck and then adding to the chaos. So, um, we, although some of the dogs weren't identified, we know something about several of them. And I'm getting all of this from the American Kennel Club. Of course. There was a Cavalier King Charles Spaniel and an Iredell Terrier, both owned by children of William Carter, a coal magnate from Philadelphia. Um, there were, John Jacob Astor lost his Iredale kitty. I mean, mm. he also lost his life, but. Yeah. Yeah. He went <laughs> <down> with kitty. <laughs> Among the other dogs were lost. Lost were a fox terrier, a chow chow, and some other ones. There and was and the mutts. Well, there was no. There was, a <laughs> there was a French bulldog whose owner had purchased him the week before. Oh, um, but he would have been small. Oh my gosh! Yeah, the Frenchie. Yeah. Frenchie could have made it in somebody's bosom. I know he's cute too. There's a picture of him. Um, did he make it? No, no, only the three that I told you about made it. Oh, I'm sorry, but Aaron was gonna make it before any of those motherfucking dogs made it. Well, well I mean, I don't <laughs> wrap me up tight. <laughs> well, this get is in my one. bosom, baby. This is the most heartbreaking one. No. Oh my gosh. Well, it's it. one <laughs> passenger, Anne Elizabeth Isham boarded the Titanic with her Great Dane. She refused to leave the ship without her dog, which is too big to go on a lifeboat. Mm-hmm. She was one of four first-class female passengers who died on the Titanic. There are accounts that her body with her arms wrapped around the dog was later found by a recovery ship. Oh, wow. She was first-class. She was only one of four first-class female passengers who died. She was like, that would have been me. Yeah. yeah. Sorry, not leaving. Yeah, understood. Mm-hmm. Just let me get on the boat with my daughter. That's all I'm asking. That's fine. You two can live. I'll be happy dead in the Rainbow Bridge. Um, my other tasty nuggies. The I first. Think of you every April twelfth, fifteenth. Yeah, fifteen. You can think of me the twelfth through the fifteenth to remember the journey. There you go. I will wear black the twelfth through the fifteenth. <laughs> Um, okay, I have information. The first letter that was sent from the Titanic was sent by a man named Paul Danby, and he got on board the Titanic on April 12th. He was just visiting his wife's uncle, Adolfi Saalfeld, something like that, who was a passenger on the ship. I don't know if it's Adolf or Adolfi. I think now it's Adolfi. Now it's Okay, Adolfi. Spelled differently. Not no relationship. He um 
he was going to America to show his collection of floral essential oils to potential buyers. Oh. And he was in the smoking, he was smoking a cigar in the smoking lounge when the ship went down. So he got off on a lifeboat. Um, so he seems like kind of a dick if he got off on oh, a lifeboat. Oh, my essential oils! Yeah. Essential so oils! Were, but they were all found. He left his, he didn't get the, yeah, he didn't get to take his bag of oils with him. But in an expedition in 2000, they were found down there, the satchel of the oils, all 65 miles of them. Oh, my God. But so Paul Danby was the one who wrote the letter. And he said, Uncle has a very large cabin, nearly a living room with a sofa and an electric ventilator. I will tell you all in detail later. But sad story, as a reminder of where we were in the world or where we would end up going, Danby was captured by the Nazis for his Jewish faith and murdered at a death camp in Poland. Oh, no. Yeah. So he had just been on board the Titanic and going. He oh. might have still died. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah. <laughs> we don't mean that flippantly. No. No, 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 that's no, no, no. They know what we're about here. That's the, uh, that's the, uh, what is it? Life's a gift. You don't know what's going to happen. That's yeah. that. Yeah. Life is beautiful. Um, the musicians, you were talking badly about them. No, Who? I wasn't. Who? Aaron. I was I was just talking about <laughs> I think I see the, the positive and the like the um you know me. I see the both sides of it. They, they read they, the room. Yeah, they, they, they were going down. Might as well play going down. And they were but, me love. Yeah. Yes. Well, she, uh, so they actually were not playing Near My God to Thee. Everyone thinks they were playing that song, but we believe that not to be true. Oh, what were they playing? Something happy. So they, yes. Uh, I mean, it's not, you know, technically you don't really know. Also, because all the accounts from people, most of them are people who were on lifeboats who weren't on the boat when it was actually mm -hmm. going down. Right. But they did go back up and they were like, all right, let's play together. Um, but it is thought that they were not actually playing that song, that they were actually trying to, because they were like, that's pretty morbid. Yeah, that you, that you would be playing that song. I don't know what that song is. It's a hymn. Nearer Just, my God to thee, which is you going to God. Oh, so they play like, it like at funerals and stuff? Right, right. Oh, okay. Yeah. Just, yeah, it's just like a somber hymn. Mm -hmm. But No Ode there, to Joy? No Ode to Joy. Well, maybe, but there was sheet music found in the, uh, in the wreckage. There is... After 73 years, they found a piece of sheet music for the song Put Your Arms Around Me, Honey, from the 1910 Broadway production of Madame Sherry. Oh. Well, how yeah. did paper survive that environment? That's because what I didn't leather. understand. Like, because the, like, there were things about people were like, mm, what do you mean they found Jack's picture of Rose in the satchel? But then there are other people like, mm, excuse me, but yes, because... Depending on what it was in, it would survive. Because wow. there's also the thing about the Titanic sinking is that it's also um, opened up doors into exploring that the ocean floor at that stage yeah. and what bacteria does. 
and there's certain bacteria, like the the wood and stuff, some of that stuff was just eaten around. And so it's interesting for them then to see what has been left and what has been eaten. That was one of my things with how pristine that that drawing was. I didn't feel like it would be that pristine, but maybe with the leather um, protecting it Mm -hmm. and the safe. Hmm. Um, Well, they also found the violin played. That, that was believed to be played by the band leader. They found they found it. I guess you're right. Yeah, they've taken little things like that up. It sold it sold for one point million one point seven million dollars in 2013. Yeah. Wow. I mean, so what? You put that on your wall and say this was the violin that was playing as the Titanic sank. Yeah. Yeah, but if you have that money, like <clears throat> those, you're going. It's that or an NTF of. You know, like like the people who have the money to spend 1.5 million on the violin, are they going to spend it on this actual Titanic artifact, or are they going to spend it on, um, like sports cards? You know, I mean, because that that's that is what it's. If you have that kind of money where you can do that, then <laughs> you know, then you'll you'll do that. I don't. It is, I don't know. It's just all very interesting, that question of taking the stuff up to, you know, from the surface and leaving that. Because there are people who are definitely in the camp. Like, I think, uh, what's his name? Robert Ballard. He's definitely of the, I'm not taking anything from here. Yeah, just leave it where it is. Let it But there's also people who are like, well, not everybody's ever going to get down here. And then you take that. to learn about it. Yeah, Mm -hmm. and if they go around to different museums or something, and then people can be like, oh, wow, that was actually on the Titanic and see something. It's it's an interesting question. It is. It is. Um. So I, another, this is about Edith Rosenbaum and she was Edith Rosenbaum Russell. She's featured in A Night to Remember. Okay. But there's also, you can watch interviews with her. Like there's BBC did like interviews with her like many years later. Um, So she was an American fashion buyer um, a, a stylist and a correspondent for Women's Wear Daily. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. And she's best remembered for surviving with a music box in the shape of a pig. And it was a paper mache toy covered in pig skin with a music box inside. And it played a tune when its tail was twisted. And her story became like widely known in the press, but she didn't want to get on the lifeboats. And then I think her mom, somebody threw her pig onto the lifeboat and then she jumped in after it. <laughs> she was not attached to that paper mache pig. But she um, ended up it, with, she played the tunes from the pig to keep all the kids on her lifeboat. Oh, okay. yeah. And interestingly enough, she went on to breed Pekingese. Interesting. Yeah. Um, so I just thought she was 
Interesting. And in the 2001 expedition to the wreck of the Titanic, filmmaker James Cameron and his team discovered Edith's cabin with this dressing table mirror still upright and intact. Photos of the room were published in Ghosts of the Abyss. Yeah. You saw it? Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's really cool. Like that's a, it's a really cool movie to to rent, especially if you like Titanic, because they just go down and yeah. you really get to see inside the cabins. And they do a really good job of superimposing like what it would have looked like and like putting yeah. people in it and then like dissolving and then going back so that because it's really hard when you're like, wait, what is that? And they discover yeah. the car that was there and then oh, you're like wait wow. what and then they like impose and you're like oh my gosh that is yeah and my last one is about well so the whole time i was like what is this were there really gunfire like were people really shooting each other on the ship yeah and it was yes it really happened and i think it was edith maybe edith or, or someone else when they were in the lifeboats they just remember hearing all of this gunfire and um, so they could tell something was going on. So that really did happen. But also William Murdoch, um, who was the first officer, and he was the one in the movie, um, or he was the officer in charge when the ship collided. So he was the one in the movie who shoots himself in the head right when they're yeah. going down. And yeah. it's believed that that really did happen. Nobody really knows, but... Um, there's conflicting reports, but it is believed that really happened. His family was mad at his portrayal in this movie because didn't right before he takes himself out the game, doesn't he shoot Tommy? Yes. And Tommy's a fictional <clears throat> character. Oh yeah. Right. So I remember if he shot him or not. Yeah. yeah. So his family is kind of like, eh, yeah. Oh, wait a sec. Like that guy's a fictional character. You know, my great uncle or whatever. You're making him out to be a murderer, you know, like that he shot a person because there were other in the scenes where they had guns of saying like, oh, women and children only. And then they were firing off of like, you know, the, yeah. the warning shots and stuff. So but, you know, who knows? Because I mean, at the at the point where you have the survivors and they're on the lifeboats, but the story of what happens after the lifeboats. Yeah. Yeah. I thought this was interesting, too. They said shortly after the sinking of the Titanic, the New York Herald published a story about Rigel, a dog reportedly owned by Murdoch, who saved some of the survivors from the sinking. While the story was widely reported, uh, it's not, nobody really knows if the dog existed, but I like to believe it did. Hmm. Interesting. And I think those are all of mine. I have that... The production budget of the film was $200 million and that that was the most expensive film at the time. And it has surpassed and currently the most expensive film of all time is Pirates of the Caribbean on Stranger what? Tides. Really? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I uh, have that the cost of the movie was more than the cost of the building of the Titanic. Well, inflation is a bitch. I believe that. Go ahead, Ma. You have more? Several, so go ahead. No, you go ahead. Okay, I have, you know, the couple in bed that... that yes. They, those were actually Rosalie 
Ida Strauss and Isidore Strauss, the owners of Macy's. They said they were going to go down together. Yeah, she was going to mm-hmm. be on the ship, and she w- did the thing that Rose says, where I go, you go. Right. Yeah, and she was like, well, we've, we've gone all this way together. Why are we? Like, nah. That would hell? be me, too. That would be me. Let's, let's take this out together. Uh, the 1912 parts of the movie, because we have some that were more current day-ish, um, were uh, were two hours and forty five minutes of the movie. That's the same amount of time it took for the Titanic to sink. Yeah, and you're oh. complaining that the movie was too long, but it's but it's actually when you go back in time and you're in it, it's it works out. So uh, as Tini has previously stated, James Cameron gave one hundred and fifty of the extras profiles of real people who had been on the Titanic. So even though they were just extras, they were told, this is your backstory. So I like that. That's a lot of... Did you also have that the 30... that the iceberg hit... made contact with the Titanic for 37 seconds, and that's the same amount that it is in the film? I did not. Hmm? But I did have, if... They had gone ahead, not changed direction, hit that iceberg head on, they would have survived. Yeah. They could have made it to New York. Because of the way that it was with the compartment. So the first compartment would have been, you know, like smushed in, but the rest of it would have been airtight. So it would have still stayed afloat. But it was because at that last moment that they tried to avoid it, mm. that under the water line, oh, it hit the iceberg went the and went compartment. Yeah, and went through all of those compartments. So yeah, they would have been better off just, just going right on. straight into the iceberg. But they didn't know that at the time. Okay, I have the people who were considered for Jack. Johnny Depp turned it down. Good. Yeah. Um, the studio really wanted Matthew McConaughey. Christian Bale auditioned, but they didn't want two British people, Kate and Jack, to be British. Paul Rudd auditioned. <laughs> Jared Leto refused to audition. Brad Pitt, Chris O'Donnell, and River Phoenix. River Phoenix was really up there until he actually, you know, died. You know, didn't River Phoenix die before? Yes. Yeah. Oh, he was like he their number one. Good. He was their number one dude. And then they went, uh, shit, he died. And then I have more information of what really sank the Titanic. Wait, I'm still thinking about Brad Pitt as Oh Jack. my God. <laughs> I, I know, Teeny, I know you love, you love, love, love Leo, but I got it. Brad Pitt. I don't she care who is he. Like that. Oh, wow. Yeah. It's okay. Yeah. You know who would have, just off the dome, though, if you're doing like an all-time recasting, I wouldn't be mad at young Paul Newman as Jack. Um. Well, he's the only Jack as a young Paul Newman. And wait. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 
Oh my god. I think we're on the same page. Yeah. Joanne Woodward as <laughs> as perfection. Rose. Oh my god. Oh my god. That okay. Move on. Cause I'm happy. Well no, problems. you're you're the one that has to go with your okay, well wait, I guess <clears throat> then you have those to are my tasty nuggets. Then I go into what really sank the Titanic as well as conspiracy theories. Okay, well then I'll go in so in 1995, James Cameron started diving and taking pictures of the wreckage. Mm-hmm. In September 1996, the shooting began. They shot it mostly at Rosarito Beach in Mexico. They built this oh. huge, giant tank, mm-hmm. like a horizon tank. I've actually been to Rosarito, Mexico. That's nice. Were um, you drinking tequila and smoking cigars at the time? I was. Yes, you were. This... Tied the record with All About Eve for 14 Oscar nominations, and it won 11 Oscar Oscars, tying Ben-Hur and later Lord of the Rings Return of the King. Okay. Like the most wins. So the full name of the ship is the RMS Titanic, and RMS stands for Royal Mail Ship. Mail, M-A-L-E? Yeah, because it was a, it was delivering mail, like Teeny said. M-A-I-L? M-A-I-L? Because, yeah, M-A-I-L, mail, correspondence. Oh, not M-A-L-E. Close, mail. I mean, I, I don't know. I'm not it was ever. 1912, both apply. Yeah, so, like, SS is usually, like, uh, steamship or something. You, know, you have the SS, the RMS... And so that's right. kind of what those mean. Um, it was a real tough shoot for the, you know, just had to be in with water and mm-hmm. a lot of stuff. Um, at one point, James Cameron, because the movie went over budget, and so he was like, and because it was like a long movie, and he said, you want to cut my movie? You're going to have to fire me. You want to fire me? You're going to have to kill me. So he was just, you know, he was... He was just on one. Pure ego. Just pure ego. Um, the White Star you mentioned, that was a British subsidiary of an American trust controlled by J.P. Morgan. More on him. Okay. And it wasn't until 1916, more than four years after the Titanic sank, that White Star and all U.S. plaintiffs came to a settlement. White Star agreed to pay $665,000, which amounted to about 440, I mean $430 for each life lost on the Titanic. Wow, $440. Yeah, I didn't do the math on what that was now, but it's let me just tell you it's not it's not a lot. Not a, not okay. For a life. Um so the wreckage was found by Robert Ballard in 1985. Mm-hmm. And that was made into a National Geographic tape that I watched. But it turns out that lately, and I don't know what year that this came out, but it was when like stuff got declassified, that this whole, his whole like finding it was actually a, um, uh, a cover 
for basically like a WAN type expedition. He was because he was a retired Navy officer. He was reactivated and sent on a top secret mission to find the USS Scorpion and the USS Thresher, which were two Navy nuclear powered subs that sank in the 60s. And so the Navy, so he had gone in the early 80s to the Navy and was like, look, I want to go. I, I think that the Titanic's here. I want to find the wreckage. And the Navy was like, ah, it's too expensive. We're not interested. And then in the midst of the Cold War, the U.S. is like, oh, my gosh, you know, we have these two downed nuclear submarines and we know that the Soviet Union is out here looking for them. So they're like, my man Ballard, um, can we have a can we have a word with you, please? So they were like, all right, here's the deal. We're going to send you on this mission to find the Titanic. But first, before you do that, you have to do this top secret mission, which is you have to find these two submarines. And so it took a little longer than he wanted to, but he did find the two submarines and see how, you know, the nuclear, all of that stuff was going, which only left him with like, I don't know, four or five days to actually film the wreckage of the Titanic. So that, that like tape that I would watch as a little kid was done after they had done this whole top secret U.S. mission to find these other subs that they couldn't talk about until oh it was God. declassified. Which I was like, it's crazy. And then finally, my last tasty nugget is, you know when Rose looks up at the sky and it's, you know, the stars and stuff? Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, that had gotten, that had drawn the ire of scientists and uh, astrophysicist Neil deGrasse Tyson, he criticized that scene for the unrealistic star pattern. Well, that was... that's a tonal nerd alert. Yeah, oh, um, yeah. that is an unrealistic. And so then when they did the 2012 3D um, re-release of the film, that they were actually able to scientifically replicate the sky... So that when you watch that version, oh, it is it would be what correct. she would have really seen yeah. if she were looking up. Yeah, that's crazy. I think that's cool that they're able yeah. to replicate it. I also think it's really cool that that somebody like you can be like, oh, it's nerdy, but somebody's like, that's an unrealistic sky star. Yes, that does yeah. not exist. That's totally somebody on the spectrum going, no, that is not correct. But if there's stuff that happens with space and stars. That's the motherfucker I'm listening to. Yeah, truth be told. <laughs> like, all these other people can have all these other theories. I'm like, I want the guy who looked at the stars and was like, that's an unrealistic star pattern. Exactly. What exactly. do you have to say on the issue, sir? Teeny, ner- uh, tasty nuggets, I apologize. I'm done with mine. Okay, so... I was looking up what really sank the Titanic. Oh, boy. New Forensic Discoveries by Jennifer Hooper McCarty. Okay. They had said that the weak, the steel was weak. But they, they tested that with a little piece of steel they brought up and then with how cold the ocean was. But then when they brought up bigger pieces of steel, they said, no, the steel was strong. It was, wait. It was that boy. It was that boy. Okay. One thing was time constraints. They were building the Titanic, 
the Olympic, the Britannia at the same time, and they wanted them all to be ready at the same time. So time constraints were a big issue. So, well, can I just tell you, I yes. did forget to mention a woman named Violet Jessup, I believe. She was on all three of those, the Titanic, the Olympic, and the Britannic. And she survived all of them. Um, the, uh, the Titanic didn't actually sink. No, I'm sorry. <laughs> Wait, yeah, it kind of did. Four-hour <laughs> podcast on how the, you're telling me the Titanic didn't sink. No, the Olympic didn't actually sink. Okay. The Olympic just was. Um, she was on board when it collided with the British warship, the HMS Hawk. There were no fatalities though, and despite the damage, the ship was able to make it back to port. But she was on the Titanic, and she says in her memoir she was ordered up on deck to serve as an example of how to behave for the non-English speakers who could not follow the instructions given to them. And she watched as the crew loaded the lifeboats. She later got on a lifeboat 16, and while the lifeboat was being lowered, one of the officers gave her a baby to look after. Um, and then next morning when she was on the Carpathia with the, she just had this baby, this woman just came crying and grabbed the baby and ran away. So she's guessing it's the mom. Who knows? What that? if that wasn't even? Like, I mean, know, either way, well, you know that yeah. happened. I know. You know that happened a lot. Yeah. It was like, oh, so I, I love my baby. That's a baby. It's the right color. <laughs> but the Britannic was... Um, the younger sister ship of the Titanic that was converted into a hospital ship during the First World War. And she was a nurse on that. Damn. Um, and this, during a major diving expedition in 2016, it was determined that ship struck a deep sea mine. It sank within 55 minutes, killing 30 of the 1,066 people on board. Wow, it sank... Like it sank way faster than the Titanic, yeah. but way more people were able to survive. Yeah, um, because well, it says while the Britannic was Britannic was sinking, Jessup and other passengers were nearly killed by the ship's propellers that were sucking lifeboats underneath the stern. Oh, she wow. had to jump out of her lifeboat, resulting in a traumatic head injury, which she survived. And she described as it went under. Um, she it just. She described that as while well. she was going under and all the deck machinery were falling into the sea and she just had to jump out. Um, two other survivors of the Titanic, Arthur John Priest and Archie Jewell, were also on board that ship and also survived. But Dang. And then she went back to work for the White Star mm -hmm. Line in 1920. No, White Star would be dead. But she's, no, she's often called queen of, the queen of sinking ships. <laughs> Okay, That's so hilarious. one. So um, I also looked up Ireland Before You Die, a website, and it was the ship. The flooding stopped. Where okay, so they used the steel rivets on the majority of the side of the mm -hmm. Titanic, but because of its size, they couldn't get it to to where they usually built the ships. 
And so the very ends of the Titanic, they, they had to humanly do the rivets instead of using hydraulics. Oh. And they found that where the hydraulics were used on the main part of the sides didn't flood. But the part where they humanly attached uh, the rivets uh, did flood. Okay. So um, after the Titanic went down, they refitted Olympic and Britannia so that their rivets were were better. Uh, they were done with hydraulics. Okay. These were the 10 mistakes that helped to sink the Titanic. Number Ooh. 10, the tides. There were higher tides than usual and higher tides make higher risks. Number nine, the climate. It was warmer than usual, so there were more icebergs floating. Oh. Well, Number eight, was, oh. the portholes. So people down on the lower decks were opening the portholes to see what the fuck was going on. Whoa. They didn't close those portholes when they went oh, up on geez. deck to be able to try to live. Mm -hmm. Number seven. I guess I would have bought them a little more time. Right. This is all a yeah. little bit. The watertight doors. If all the watertight doors had been left open, it would have been an equal distri distribution of the water coming in. Oh. And so one part wouldn't have sunk and then the other part sunk. Okay. Yeah. But that, but then they also didn't know. I mean, how, how would they have known? They wouldn't have. Damn it. They didn't. You know? Exactly. This is all, you know, yeah. Monday morning quarterback. Yeah. Number six was the rivets that were finished by hand instead of hydraulics. That was, that was huge. Number five, listen to this, fire. There was a fire in the coal bunker 10 days before the Titanic took off. And it continued to burn, which meant the sides, sides of the ship were hotter than they should have been when oh. they hit that ice cold water. Oh, uh, so wait, because, so there was a fire that was different from the, you know, cause it was steam powered in the coal. So there was like the, a this fire. fire broke out and it was still simmering or whatever. The and they're like, Oh, we that have was it. waiting to be put into the, Oh, and so then it was that it was outside it's hot hot and then when it, all the cold water comes exactly. in it was that it was compromised oh. exactly so number wait i'm on number six short-sightedness which is hmm. <laughs> when they left southampton they changed the officers on the ship and whoever the new officers were didn't have the key to unlock the binoculars for oh the people who were gosh. up in the, in the bird's nest to be able to look, they didn't have binoculars. That was brought up in the movie. I would have thought that, I understand for temperature reasons and stuff, I would have thought as like a safety precaution that there was just an extra pair of binoculars up there. You would the think. Nest. Would but you not? No, it's just like, I don't know, because I know 
temperature and, and it affects right. glass and stuff. But it's just like just the worst case scenario. And so the guy comes on like, hey, do you, do you have the, the the keys to the binoculars? No, nobody had them. But you I have mean, an axe. I mean, if Rose is able to, I know that Rose is a fictional character, and so is Jack, and she's right. able. Well, they but didn't know they were gonna need it. They were like, "Oh, it's fine. We'll do fine tonight." Exactly. Yeah, that's just like it just adds it up because then it's like, yeah, but we're going way too fast. <laughs> we're going way. Focus. Focus. Number three was agility because it was so huge; it yeah. couldn't maneuver as fast as they were mm-hmm. used to. Number two, That's not a, it's not a wand ship. That's we're not talking about the ore again. <laughs> number two is speed. Thank you. They were going too fast to make the changes that could change the direction in how they hit the iceberg. And number one was, in fact, the iceberg that they did hit. <laughs> Remember an SNL when Bowen Yang is the iceberg. <laughs> I do not. Oh, that's great. You got to Google that. He's the, <clears throat> he's the iceberg that's like the Titanic in the a weekend update. It's hilarious. I think I remember. Yeah, you're going to look that up again. So then I went to www.history.com to find the craziest Titanic conspiracy theories. Ooh. Okay. Oh, my God. Because these are the ones it I wanted. It was a false flag. <laughs> J.P. Morgan had bought a um, suite on the Titanic and at the last minute chose not to go. So they were saying that he planned it to kill his rivals, (laughs) Jacob Astor, Isidore Strauss, and Benjamin Guttenheim so he could be the richest living person. Wait, who was this? J.P. Morgan. Morgan. Oh, J.P. Morgan. I believe it. Now, if you I'll write these. We'll see if we believe which ones are believable. If you watch any Housewives, you know that Sonia Morgan is totally tied to J.P. Morgan because her ex-husband was the grandson of J.P. Morgan. She wouldn't even be in the Real Housewives of New York City were it not for the fact that J.P. decided not at the last minute to go on the Titanic. Mm. Number two. Well, I wonder what how that would have affected um, the uh, you know if you go in and dig with J.P. Morgan, the Ford Company, you know these American companies that uh, gave money to Germany in the 1930s. Oh yeah. <laughs> so. so the Rothschilds were also looked at for. Like, you know, they're in, aren't the Rothschilds in every conspiracy? Of course, because they have all the fucking money. <laughs> so, uh, again, with JP and the Rothschilds, how could you guarantee that this ship is going to hit an iceberg? You okay. Pay the person driving it? Another one is <laughs> insurance fraud. Okay. Oh, yeah. So, they say that the Olympic, that the Titanic switched place with the Olympic, a sister ship, mm-hmm. and that um, then the Olympic is the one that actually drowned, that went down, and they got all the money for the Titanic. 
But then that would be all of the the survivors would all have to have their story straight. But wait, now we have a mummy curse. Oh yeah, mummy yeah. Curse talk so about this? William Steed, a British editor, told others on board that Margaret Brown had Egyptian artifacts that she was not supposed to take out of Egypt. And Uh she had them on board. And the mummy curse said, that's why the Titanic went down. Mm. Now wait, there's another one that says, the numbers of the Titanic were 3090904, okay? Now, if you do the mirror image of those, you're going to have the words, no Pope. And the Catholics were sure that this was the reason that the Titanic went down because they were totally getting, you know, religion didn't matter. But the Titanic had no such numbers. So those are the conspiracy theories about why the Titanic went down. I believe I'm going with the mummy curse. I like I I like that JP Morgan went found himself an iceberg, paid that iceberg. Exactly. To be sure be right in the path of where this ship was going. So I didn't look this up. Nobody looked up the um what is it called? The, I feel, I feel like the SS Californian? No. Oh, why it? it? Because it was a little closer than the Carpathian, correct? Yeah, it's known for oh, its yeah. inaction in, in the sinking, despite, despite being the closest ship in the area. So it because it was likely the only ship to see the rockets when they were sinking, and then they held a commission... And it said that it could have saved many of the lives that were lost. Um, And it was very critical of the captain. It said that his actions were reprehensible. um, But no formal charges were, were said. I think that it had turned off its radio. It was like, oh, it's 11 o'clock. We're turning off our radio. Um, but then it was later sunk on November 9th, 1915 by German submarine SMU-34 and U-35 in the Eastern Mediterranean during World War One. Mm-hmm. So, and But the Californian was a British steamship owned by Leyland Line, part of J.P. Morgan's International Ooh. Merchantile Marine Corporation. Back to <gasps> J.P. Morgan. What? I was looking up why, because it was not SOS yet at the time. SOS had just been invented because they did CQD. Yeah, because there, there was a, is it, wasn't the there a scene in the film? Where it where he was like, oh, this is brand new, and he yeah. kind of does SOS. That soon became like SOS. Um, soon became the adopted thing, but they did CQD at first. 
See, what did it stand for again? Uh, what did it stand for? Something, something distress. <laughs> Probably a queen. I'm th throwing a queen. No, I, I don't request. I don't know. I think the CQ is just the request to communicate. Like, that's just how they use it. Maybe was it was like of... seek, like CQ, like seek distress. Oh, yes, know. yes, yes, that is, you're exactly right. Really? Seek, yes, seek, and then the Q was you, seek you distress. That, wow. I, I read that. Wow. And then they later adopted SOS. It's like SOS was new for save our souls or save our ship. It's debatable. And then, so they didn't know to just do that yet. Wow. But I thought that A Night to Remember ended in a better not a better way. It ended, but this is a quote that it said at the end of the movie. It said, but this is not the end of the story, for their sacrifice was not in vain. Today there are lifeboats for all, unceasing radio vigil, and in the North Atlantic, the International Ice Patrol guards. The International Ice Patrol guards the sea lanes, making them safe for all the peoples of the world. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So this was a tragedy, but people learned their lessons. Well, yeah, it was just like that thing where you get, I think, like humans getting a little too big for their britches. Mm -hmm. I'm like, oh, you, hey. Those I, I, hats alone were too big for their britches. I mean, come on. Who needs a hat that big? I, I, hey, I don't know. I don't know. I believe that wraps up are two installments Weep. of Titanic. Mm -hmm. So our next week will be... Well, I mean, Teeny made a really strong case for... Agreed. But I've been eyeballing this movie for a while now. Okay. And I think that I think I'm gonna I'm think I'm gonna pull the trigger on it. 1974. It was its director is very problematic, but we've done one of his films already. Roman Pulaski. Yes. 1974 film about the place where I live. It's a classic. Southern California. Jack Nicholson. Faye Dunaway. Wait, Chinatown. Yes. Oh my God. I thought I thought so. Let's, you let's know what? learn about the water wars. I don't think I've ever seen Chinatown it in its entirety. I watched it a long time ago when I was in college because I know the ending. There's a famous, oh, it's so disgusting line. So you're welcome, everyone. Chinatown. And um, I know that he gets his nose cut and he spends most of the film with nose bandages. And the I just started reading this book called The Whole Equation because. I'm going through my bookshelf and picking off the books that I haven't read. And, it's and she finished The Count of Monte Cristo. I did. And it, the first chapter, the way that it sets up the book is talking about Robert Town and 
Chinatown. So I was just like, yeah. And I've been eyeing it for a while now. Okay. It is a classic. Mm -hmm. Okay, listeners. In I don't know how many weeks. Next week, we will see you. Next week is the second half of Titanic. No, next week is Chinatown. She'll get it when she listens. It will in five understood. years. You will I understand apologize. <laughs> okay, listeners. Chinatown. <gasps> Bye. Bye. Bye.